This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Quinn Hughes with a quick shot and he scores! Quinn Hughes off the faceoff took the shot from the left point and Brock Besser gets the tip. He's going to take the first handshake going back to the Canucks bench. They're down by one. Kept in by Hronik. Briefly though as Jonas Brodin is just going to throw this one down the ice and he finds its way into the net. An empty netter for Jonas Brodin. May be the dagger on this one. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Picked off by Kaprizov and he's going to score to get his hat trick with just two seconds left as JT felt like he was ready to see the clock run out. Kaprizov wanted to get his hat trick here for the night. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 17 goals, 17, three hat tricks, four five-on-threes, absolute mayhem. The drunkest game I've seen in maybe years. This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Canucks lose 10-7 in Minnesota against the Wild. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show presented by the number 5 Orange on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. And we are going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation conversation in just a moment but uh, maybe the stupidest dumbest hockey game I've seen all season <laughs> like what what did we just witness that was more confusing than the true detective season finale <laughs> last and, night. and I was very confused watching yeah. that last night uh man I have no words of what we just watched that was three hat tricks is blowing my mind okay I'm gonna try to do a quick summation here uh, bad officiating Canucks also melted down and just pure luck as well. Like this, it's it's absolutely mayhem watching this game and the way it unfolded. And it all started, honestly, the, 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 the run of bad calls started with the first goal of the game. Tyler Myers clearly a running interference on Vinny Lettieri. Uh, the refs don't call it. Canucks get a one nothing lead with Ian Cole scoring. And since then, the refs were pretty much trying to even things up. They called a phantom call on Elias Lindholm when the Canucks were mm-hmm. down one man already, made it a two-man advantage. The Canucks killed that one off. Right, They did fine to kill it off and everything. But they go down two men three other times. And, you know, two of the times it happened, it was deserved. You know, the Pedersen one, he's, he's clearly yeah. he's drawing the yeah. penalty eight late. They first called the goal, which would have been the 5-4 goal at the end of the second period. It comes off the board upon review because it clearly uh, didn't go in the proper way. Shouldn't have been called. But... Oh, right. They called a goal. It right. but, a goal. but on that play, Pedersen does clearly, <laughs> yes. you know, so, so it's a call or whatever. And then the final f- five on three, absolutely, it's, it's a call because JT Miller throws the puck over the ice. It's a delay a game, right? But a lot of the calls in between that were very questionable, and especially how the third period uh, un. Uh, did unravel the team and you know it's it's one thing to have some calls go go against you and you can be frustrated by it but you also can't melt down and the Canucks certainly melted down in that third period Vic got to be able to try to keep your composure we say that though but it, it does feel do. like in a game where it feels like you're getting consistently gaslit by the officials <laughs> and look the, it was the, the, the rest were not the reason the Canucks lost this game it was just puzzling Throughout the course of yeah, the game, I, 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 honestly, and, I'm not sure where to uh, place all the blame. I have to go watch this over again. Yeah, to it's really not pl- all the blame, but um, different elements are going to share the pie of how the Canucks lost this game tonight. Yeah, and it was just bizarre, man. And 
give the Wild some credit. They take advantage of some moments and they they work some of their power play goals. Absolutely, we'll talk about uh, you know the Eric Sinek one that kind of kicks us all off. But it's it's hard to stay composed. I, I don't know, like even in the playoffs with the stakes of what they are, I don't know if you'll see a game that r- rattling because. You know, three five on three set. Yeah, four five on three. Four five on four, threes. Four five on threes. Let's bring in Randy Janda into the conversation. Randy, you had you gave you a couple minutes to catch your breath there. Uh, Seventeen goals you and uh, Dan Riccio called, uh, but like, w- where do you begin evaluating what happened here tonight? First of all, boys, I appreciate the extra couple of minutes. I was like Andy Bernard in the office at the eyewash station, just screaming <laughs> into the uh, the eyewash station. That was. A day drunk game. That was a long weekend. Uh, you know when you're you're. It was just wild. I, I don't even know what to say. Just wild. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure either. And you know, the officiating that's going to get talked about a lot. I know a lot of Canucks fans are upset about what happened. What What do you make of the way the calls went against the Canucks tonight? Yeah, it was a it was a bizarre one. And some of them, you know, the Lindholm one, a total, you know, phantom phantom call there where they're trying to maybe have a makeup call after uh, allowing that goal to Ian Cole with the pick play on Tyler Myers but it was it was honestly something that just it was baffling when you kind of look in across the board where it was just guys four or five on threes in a game right they let some of the the calls go uh, late in this game but I thought there were moments in this game where yeah that Lindholm one is a classic example there's a few other spots where um, just just penalty calls coming out of nowhere. But in the end, it does come down to, you know, in the third period, uh, the composure, uh, you gotta, you gotta have composure in that third period. And, you know, I'm not going to put it on one play. Cause I think you know, the PK was pretty good for the beginning of the game, even through 40 minutes. But at the beginning of that third period, when you have an opportunity to, um, you know, clear the puck out of the zone, JT Miller's got time and space. That was the one that really mm-hmm. took him down to say, you know, they lost confidence on the previous power play goal. And then once that another five on three happens, it's just, it, it took, it felt like it took the wind out of the sails of the Canucks on that. We were like, oh, not again. And even on that five on four power play, after allowing the five on three goal, they just played it passive and you could see the confidence was gone. Yeah, that, that next moment was the big one of, of the Miller um, taking the delay of game. But if you're just looking at the power play or the the penalty kill, sorry, w- what are like the real elements that we're taking out of this of saying, okay, what is the worry part or what do we take away and just say, hey, a, a deflection off Ian Cole, that one's chalked up to randomness. Five on three, you're going to concede sometimes. Are you taking anything away from the penalty kill of what we saw tonight? Yeah, I think early on, you know, it's unlucky play uh, on the Ian Cole own goal, but I believe it was the six on five Erickson Eck goal where there's just a lot of room to operate mm-hmm. there. Um, and he gets this pass, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was uh, Hartman, but uh, I'll have to go back on that. But, you know, there's just a lot of room for him to operate. And sure, maybe not Casey DeSmith's finest moment. He's had a heck of a season against Minnesota this year. Uh, this one is not one of them. But to me, that was just the team on the PK that was just kind of sagging back a little bit after they allow, you know, the five on five goal, um, just, or the, uh, the, yeah, the five on four goal and the five on five goal, uh, they just lost confidence. So early on in this game, I wasn't worried about the first power play goal, uh, that Minnesota scored, but after that, you could see that they were starting to play passive. They were starting to play a little complacent because they were shook, I guess, by taking all those penalties. And that's where the, the positioning on, on, you know, the five, 
four goal and the five five goal is the one I look at and say, okay, that's where they lost their shape, and the middle of the ice was just too easy to get for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, it, it was a bit too easy at times. I, you know, there's a, f- a few bad bounces as well. So I have a hard time looking at this game and, and truly at, at this stage, knowing exactly what went wrong. The thing that we don't like seeing, even when adversity hits, is how do you handle the big moments? Yeah. And for the most part, the Canucks have handled a lot of moments great so far this season. This is the first game they've lost in regulation, taking a lead into the third period. They've had a couple of overtime losses with that as well, but you know they lose this one here. It's just one of those things where you hope that this is a lesson about adversity, that there are times where it's, it, it's going to seem like the world is conspiring against you, the officials are against you, the, the puck bounces are not going your way, the hockey gods are out to get you. You are going to have moments where that happens, but how do you respond to that? And I hope this is something they learn through this, no matter how much you want to blame the referees, because unfair things happen in hockey, and it's about how you sure. fight through it, and there will be more moments like this, maybe not quite as dramatic as the one we saw today, and you got to find a way to fight through it, and, and hopefully that's, that's, that's the learning lesson out of the game here today. And for a coach that stresses, you know, meet pressure with pressure, that's two straight games for the Vancouver Canucks that uh, in the third period they haven't had that composure. Uh, Against Winnipeg it was different. 40 minutes they played really, really well. And then in the third period a couple of mistakes cost you, but you overall can look at that game and say, hey, still happy with the way you played. Against Minnesota it was a little different where, you know, Late start uh, in terms of, um, you know, an early start, but uh, Canucks kind of got really going in this game in the second period, even though they had a lead after 20 minutes. But, we you know, that was rope-a-dope hockey. Um, but in the third period, you know, that, that penalty box, uh, the parade to the penalty box is what hurt them. So you're right. You, you have to be, as you get ready for the playoffs, there's going to be so many momentum swings in the playoffs that this should be a training ground for this team that, hey, you know, the pressure comes later on. There's going to be high-stress moments. Uh, how do you react in those moments? Whether you have a little bit of time and space, uh, do you make that clear out of the zone a little cleaner? And, you know, I hate to focus on that play, but it felt like that penalty was the one that really, you know, really, really hurt them. But it's such a, a bizarre game because there's so much good that happened for JT Miller as well. And, you know, that line they started to, to generate. But at the same time in the third period, you got to have – close to a 60-minute effort, and unfortunately for the Canucks, the last two games, they haven't been able to to close them out. Uh, but that is a training ground for April, guys. This is what it's all about. I'm sure Rick Tockett's going to mention that in the post-game comments, but this is a, a situation where they don't have an, an easy out. They, they got Colorado tomorrow, so you got to reset real quick here. I, I wonder how much that, that Zuccarella goal, one minute to go in that uh, second period, also kind of builds the belief as well for Minnesota in there. It's like, hey, we're, we're close enough. We get one early on the power play. Then it starts to snowball. And then, you know, the exact inverse for Vancouver, it's you take a gut punch going into the locker room. Then you come out early and that goal happens. And it just everything kind of snowballs there. As much as we're talking about that Miller penalty, I do wonder as well the Zuccarello goal. Yeah, that's vital. That's key. Uh, a good mention there. That Zuccarello goal, but even the Erickson Eck goal at the end of the first period with 50 seconds left in the period, sure. right? You you feel like you're maybe going to do a bit of a smash and grab in the first period, leave the period with a 2 nothing lead. And what happens there? 2-1. They get a little bit of confidence. The Canucks come out for a dominant second period. But yeah, that, that second period goal by Zuccarello is the one that really hurts you uh, because it does give them confidence. And what happens also late in that period, guys... You know, a couple more penalties, which end up extending the confidence of Minnesota. So it's not only the goal, but you walk out of that period with another five on three to start the game and uh, start the period. And, and it's just looking back at that period, five, three to start the third. 
and you fast forward, this game ends up being 10 7. Yeah. So, a lot of high yeah. event hockey. Even, you know, the final 40 minutes of this game were just wild. It was yeah. not only the third period, the second period was just uh, a, a lot of scrambles in the defensive zone as well. So, uh, just a. Uh, I don't think uh, I'm fair to say, guys. We don't have. We have. I've never called a game like that. I've no, called it, a ten nothing game in the preseason, but a ten seven game. I've never done goals. that. It's the thing is too, and and we're gonna get a lot of commentary, and it's absolutely fair to say, you know, we we talk about the context of what built to these scenarios. Seven goals against in a period is is also unacceptable. Yeah, yep. and like that's a harsh reality to take in a game that again, we, it, it's explainable of how we arrive there, but you shouldn't be living in a world where there's seven goals against in a period. Yeah. And five goals in four minutes and 43 seconds, right? So when we talk about composer, composure and being, you know, even keel, and that's been a, a, a topic of conversation for this team, is something that they've prided themselves on of the ability to reset within game, within period. Uh, we didn't see it here today. And that's where I think, you know, with a veteran group, they'll probably be most disappointed in that to say, all right, when it's 5-5, five, five, when it's 5-4, even though it's the PK, are you in a situation where you reset? Even when it's 6-5, guys, and Minnesota's off the power play, that's still an opportunity for Vancouver to say, all right, let's get our game back. And what happens there? Marco Rossi scores, Kaprizov scores to make it 8-5. So, unfortunately, it turned into an avalanche, and that's where I think, you know, if you're this team that's got extremely high standards, they're number one in the league, you're going to be looking at that four minutes and 43 seconds to say, how did we let it swirl out of control? The 5-5 goal... Um, I don't know how the official did not lose sight of the puck. And for a moment, it was under Casey the Smith, and it was dug out, and it was under Ian Cole. The officials are pretty adamant that when they lose sight of the puck, they, they blow the play down. I do not believe for a moment they had sight of that puck. There's no way they had sight of that puck. And I was pretty surprised they didn't blow the whistle. What did you see there on that 5-5 five, five, five on, five, five goal? Yeah, first of all, it was a great play by Ian Cole originally to take away a goal. It trickles past Casey DeSmith, and he comes back and, and makes a play. And we've seen Ian do that a couple of times this year where he's kind of the last line of defense. Uh, but right after that, you know, you're right. Like, there's a, a scrum, and it's hard to see the puck just because it's it, – for a moment there, it seems like it's under Casey DeSmith, and Hartman's digging – uh, for Zuccarello's in there, I believe, as well. And that's just a situation where I would have expected a whistle. But didn't, if I'm not mistaken, guys, there was a similar play in the first period as well where it felt like there was a bit of a scramble, no whistle there. So the referees were a little bit more uh, liberal with the whistle, you can say. But I, I did think right after Ian Cole makes that play, there's about a, a two- or three-second you know, chance where – the puck, you can't really see it. If anything, it's under the right leg of Casey DeSmith. Yeah. They could have whistled it, but the referee was right there. Didn't blow the whistle, let it go, and benefited uh, Minnesota. But key moment in that game, no doubt. Hey, Randy, great stuff calling the game, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow in Colorado when the Canucks continue the three-game road trip against the Avalanche. Yeah, in, in this case, it might be a good scenario for the Canucks where you don't want to wait too long for the next game, right? You're disappointed in your third period. Well, get out there. It's a tough matchup, but there's one way to f forget about this, this game immediately, and it's have a game the next day. So should be a good one against Colorado, boys. Oh, absolutely. Great stuff, Randy. Thanks for your time. Cheers. That is Randy Janda, and you are listening to the Canuck Central Post Game Show. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can grab a phone line, let us know what you think about what happened, who you're blaming, and uh, what 
you thought of the mayhem between the Canucks and the Minnesota Wild. Rarely do we get a game where we can say, is, is the over-under more calls than textures or more goals than uh, callers? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens we'll, today. We'll see what happens. You know, we always beat the over on that. We do. Uh, we'll see uh, how lively people up are about this. And on that play, we were talking about the five, the five-five goal, which was which happened early in that third period. To me, I don't know how you don't blow that down because, like, you couldn't see where the puck was, and it was under Casey the Smith for for a moment, like a yeah. couple of moments, and he has it now. It's getting dug out by a Minnesota Wild player. You're not supposed to be able to dig. Uh, pucks out of guys' pads, and when you lose sight of the puck, usually you blow it dead. So this is where we, what, what you were talking about in the first intermission. Okay, what's the threshold for makeup call? Yeah, right. Because the Lindholm one, you made the the call. They didn't score though on the five on three. They don't score, and do you think, oh, we really gave one away on the Myers one? Do you look for another opportunity? And it's that seed of doubt that gets planted in all the viewers and all the fans alike to say, okay, is there another moment that's coming? And you know, there, there was some weak stuff, and then in general. That play right there is, is the one you're talking about. Are you calling that dead because you see the puck? Or are you calling it still alive because you see the puck? Or are you keeping it alive because, oh, i got to make one up and there's an right. opportunity, it's a power play? It's just it's this sort of stuff that if, if you just do the job, like mistakes are going to happen. If you just left the Myers mistake as the one and called it as as, as is, how does it play out? It's just it, it's frustrating at times. So the thing I hated about the Lindholm call was if you if you feel like you made a bad and they did miss the interference call on yeah. Myers absolutely instead of going out of your way to make another bad call why don't you just let the game come to you and there will be moments mm-hmm. where there'll be a borderline call maybe then you'll just give it to Vancouver there were three other five on you don't call that five on three the, the phantom call which sets the standards off there were three other five on threes they had opportunities yeah. to call and they called them right now the one was puck over the glass you're always Bluger's the high stick. it's like it Bluger, was, was going to happen anyway. these are automatic yeah. automatic yeah. right Patterson you, you do it so why don't you just let the game come to you instead of stretching yourself out now you set the standard for like that should be a roughing call then you don't call anything else the rest of the game for roughing when guys are hitting guys after the whistle where clearly interference is happening it's just a poorly officiated game but I don't think you can let the Canucks off the hook either and say hey poorly officiated game because the reality is Unfair things happen in hockey. Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to fight through it. And the Canucks did not find that way to fight through it. Some bad luck and everything. That's what you have to learn from. I still believe as the season goes on, you can learn from these things. Uh, people are frustrated and saying this is why the Canucks won't win in the playoffs. And people have those takes. Have whatever take you want. I don't see it the same way. I see it as, mm-hmm. okay, you can learn from these things, get better from it. But that's one thing here where when things don't go your way, you can't unravel. You have to find a way to fight through it. And what's tough, too, is they did a lot of good things. Like, they scored seven goals. Yeah. They I mean, scored seven the, goals the and second aren't going to win. In the second, they were dominating. Yeah. They, they were full value for taking the, the 5-2 lead. They were up three goals in the second period. They did plenty good. And it's annoying because it was scrubbed away by, you know, very pivotal mistakes yeah. and penalties that don't need to be taken. But there was plenty of good in this game that, you know, JT Miller gets a hat trick. I thought Brock Besser was fantastic in front of the net. That line was really good. They, they were Suter, too. It was far and away their best game uh, as a group. And I know even Suter scored a hat trick. But I, I thought it was fantastic game. And it's good that Brock got a reward, too, with the goal because he his screen work in this yeah. game was just fantastic. It was. I did also, before we get out here, we'll get to your text messages, your phone call, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Head coach Rick Tockett does not call a timeout during the onslaught, mm-hmm. doesn't pull Casey the Smith. Now, you have a game coming up tomorrow. You need Thatcher Demko. Yeah. 
doesn't pull Casey to Smith uh, for the extra attacker on the power play. No, and does it too. afterwards too. It's easy to look back at it in hindsight, mm-hmm. but you're unraveling. Probably need to call a timeout. The Wild called a timeout in the second period. Yeah, and, you know, for that power play, they they get their goal and it kind of springs everything. So I'm not blaming the coach on it, but he may have been a bit too passive is, with his decision making. Is the person who can have the biggest learning lesson Rick Tockett in this moment? Well, yeah, you get to know your team a little bit too. Right, sure, but is, is this a moment where he can be like, hey, in moments I can have my influence calling a timeout, settle things and down. And he's done, a, he's done yeah. that before where he has called a timeout mm-hmm. and everything, and, and it has happened. Didn't do it in that point. And, and I get you want to save Thatcher Demko for the game tomorrow. I understand that because you have a back-to-back coming up, so maybe that one I'm not quite as. But when he gives up that, you know, when it's 6-5 all of a sudden, maybe you have to pull the shoot. You know what I mean? Like, and I think Demko can handle four periods of hockey mm-hmm. through two days. I'm not sure he could handle five, but maybe four. So if you want to point towards the coach not making any adjustments, it seemed like they all kind of sat by to let the, the Minnesota Wild take this game over with help from the officials, as a lot of people are saying to our text inbox. Uh, Garland update. So Garland took a shot off his knee in the second period, left, was not on the bench to begin the third, but did rejoin the team in the third period. So it seems like he's okay, but we'll hear from the head coach and the players post game. But Bick, what else are the people saying in the text inbox? Boy, into the inbox, uh, 656. 50, uh, 2 1 or 10 7. They're all the same in the standings. Next game is pretty quick. That one's from Ian Jen texting in. All I can say is, thank heavens it's over. Uh, this one, people should not be surprised after Myers' comments on Saturday that they would screw up this game. NHL refs are the biggest babies in professional sports. Uh, this one, uh, I don't care what the context is, giving up 10 goals in a single game. It's unacceptable. feels like the floor fell out. Shades of the past decade right there. That's why there's some of us in the fan base who are still waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's Connor in Mount Pleasant. Now, some uh, are a bit more optimistic. Uh, this text message here says, People need to relax. They haven't even had a slump yet this year. Long way to go anyways. If this happens for 10 in a row, then there's a problem uh, in this one here. Man, 100 goals against in 10 games? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be would be pretty bad. But they've lost two in regulation now, Sat. Yeah, but will it be three? They have a game coming up tomorrow against the uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. And this text here, also optimistic, says anyone watching this game saw the Canucks absolutely dominate five on five. They, they, they just lost a special teams battle. They definitely lost a special teams battle. Same thing that happened against the Winnipeg Jets the other night. Their first back-to-back regulation losses since November against Calgary and Seattle. So it's it's been a minute. They, they've got two losses in a row, but it was usually uh, an OT uh, in there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's happened. Uh, and as far as manifesting positivity... Um, High and Vic says the Canucks are in first place. 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 <laughs> All right, place. we got it. Okay, I feel a bit better. That's there High and go. Victoria. All right, anything you got to do to make yourself feel better? Keep the thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty, and we'll continue the conversation on the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number Five Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up next on the Home of Your Canuck Sportsnet six fifty. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Marcus Johansson's going to be able to skate it out pretty quickly down the right side. He's going to chip it in and go after his own dumping. Goes around the backside. Too far out of the reach of Matt Zuccarello. It's going to be two on two. Besser and Miller. Miller skating down the right wing. Scores! 
JT Miller, the hat trick goal coming down the right side, brings it to his forehand and chips it up over the short side shoulder of Philip Gustafson. 5 2 Canucks. And that's the play of a power forward coming down the right hand side with speed. Hugh Suter gets the puck through the neutral zone, and JT Miller just takes Bogosian one on one, lowers that shoulder, and drives the net as he beats Philip Gustafson with a little bit of a snapshot. But that's a premier power forward in the game, taking advantage of a slower defenseman off the rush and scoring his first hat trick since January 2022. That was against the Winnipeg Jets. JT Miller gets the hat trick, and that is the play of the game. A lot to choose from. 17 goals here uh, this afternoon, and three hat tricks. We went with the JT Miller one. Figured we'd give the home team the nod on it. And we were ready to talk about a massive JT Miller game. Had three goals, but also part of the meltdown on the PK. Got the delay a game penalty. And nobody comes away unscathed in a game like this, despite having a good performance. And I thought that line had... A really strong game, Pew Studer, Brock Besser, and JT Miller, but unfortunately comes in a 10-7 loss in Minnesota. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. And, you know, th there is a lot of frustration in the text inbox, like a lot of people getting upset about what's going on today. If but you want us to read your text, clean up the language. Yes. You can't always we'll do, do it on the fly. We'll, we try to do it on the fly, and then I'm like, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> this is going down a really bad you know, avenue, and I can't really read the rest of it. But Sean from North Fan, he says, awesome show, guys. Goldfish. Already forgotten. Let's focus on Avalanche. The Avalanche tomorrow coming up. We'll talk about that coming up sure. uh, in a little bit as well. A couple texts you want to get in before we get to the phone boards? Uh, yeah, 650-650. Um, I'm still in shock after this game. Never seeing them <laughs> fall apart like that. Interested to know what the coach would tell the players with the game the next day. Also, why didn't he pull the goalie regardless of Demko playing tomorrow? Uh, the Minnesota Wild did. They also have a game tomorrow. That's coming in from Michelle. Uh, this one from Gillis and Company. Uh, two positives from this game. Garland isn't hurt, and somehow the power play scored a goal. Horrible loss that honestly might not happen again in some of these players' careers. Uh, cliche, but there's a lot to learn from an embarrassing collapse like this. Adversity will only increase, increase in the playoffs. Use it and get better. Yeah, that's what Sterling in Calgary essentially says as well, that uh, he's not afraid, he's not worried about this. He's actually happy to see them go through this, and that adversity is going to help them. So... Uh, we'll see uh, how it goes. Canucks lost today 10-7 against the Wild. Have lost two games of regulation back-to-back -back now. Have a big one coming up against the Avalanche tomorrow in Colorado. But JT Miller did score a hat trick. He did. It was, it was, such, it was a goal. such a good yeah. goal. It wasn't his nicest goal of the season, though, because the nicest goal was the one where he put it off his skate and then scored on a, on a similar power move rush. We'll see them in Colorado tomorrow. See if you can score, do it again. Score one more tomorrow. All right, let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's start things off in Burnaby, where we have Peter on the line. Peter, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here today? A minute. So, f first thing, this is two games in a row where we've given up a lead. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a trend that you'll recall from early last year. I hope we can stop. Once they get the lead, they've been pretty good this year with holding it. So that's that's an issue. Um, regarding the Myers play, um, it was Tomlinson on on the radio that made a great or sorry on TV that made a great point. Myers is entitled to that that piece of ice because he's passed the puck off and he's moving to another location. The difference between what we're calling a pick there, it was not, and what happened later in the game with the Minnesota player. The Minnesota player went to the Canuck, 
stayed stationary and basically picked him as in a basketball pick. So it's not a, it wasn't a missed call on Myers. That was not a missed call. And I agree with Tomlinson on that. Um, my, my biggest concern, and I, I'm going to speak generally here about sport is the, the, the poor officiating and or refereeing that's been happening. And it's not just NHL hockey, although it's getting bad. Uh, the CFL is a joke, so just ignore it. If the NFL misses a call, it's like front page news on the sports pages. Baseball strike zone last year was a complete disaster, especially as it got toward the end of the season. The only league that seems to have it right is basketball, where at the end of the game, the officials have to speak to the calls they made. And, and it just happened a week ago, uh, a blown call was made, and they come out and they admit it. A blown call is made. My concern with the, with the uh, all sports, but let's uh, zero in on the NHL, we're, tr- we're really trying to bring out this idea of betting on the games. Like, that's a huge shift from 10 years ago. As soon as the officiating can't be counted on, it becomes a red herring. It becomes another factor in the bet. And in my view, one of the reasons the NFL is such a strong betting uh, option is because they maintain that officiating as being as neutral as possible. In the NHL, we can't have situations where officials are managing the game. It takes that concept of making a bet and going against odds and it throws out the window because now we've got another factor. How will the official decide whether or not they got to make up for this or for that? A penalty is a penalty is a penalty, or it's not. Hey, Peter, thanks for the phone call. Fired up there. Uh, a couple of things. Um, like, operationally, I think the NFL has a lot of issues. Yes. Um, I, I get what he's saying. But, like, every league has issues. I, I agree with the premise that officiating is at an all-time low across sports right now. Sports is, like, the fastest it's ever been across all leagues. And with the advent of technology, I think we're slowing down the process for officials more than we ever have. And it's it's coming into these unconfident officials in having to make big decisions, and we're getting more guesswork, I think, than ever before because the game in every sport – is faster than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And there's this reliance, oh, well, technology will always get it. Y- you can't live and die by that. Uh, the other thing, CFL's not a joke, okay? I just want to put that one out there. I understand you might have your feelings. We don't need to say that. Uh, wow. and Big Nazar defending just, the CFL. We, we I did, did, did not like, oh, think I ignore would hear the that. CFL. We don't need to do that, okay? <laughs> uh, and there was another point in there. Um, the NBA, they have the, the yeah, reviews I, the, after. The, the I like the, the pool the report. Pool, is really good. Yeah. yeah, the pool report absolutely needs to be done. It, it's it's getting really excessive here. And I use the term gaslit. It, it just it feels like that's what's happening. We can disagree on calls. Like, I disagree on the Myers thing, sure. But it'd be great if we could get word from the officials. It would help. Like, how did you come to the conclusion on the Lindholm roughing? Why didn't you call the the whistle on the uh, DeSmith covering the puck up? All these things. It'd be nice to get a little answer. And we're not. And it just leaves it to, as I said in the first intermission, like, we all know what's happening. Make up calls. Yes. We all understand what's happening. The officials say they're during this. The not officials happening. would never admit that. But it's and, clear. What's, and if they what's do, what's the whole infrastructure of everything crumbles down, yeah. and the players will be like, "Well, he's trying to make a makeup call. He told me." And you, you just can't live in that reality. But it just it, it, for me, it ruins the integrity of the game. 
I don't disagree. I, I do think there there are a lot of problems with with how there is a lack of accountability from NHL officials. I think that's the biggest thing. Ha- there should be some sort of question and answering available, and we have none of it. And there's a big pushback anytime it gets brought up in hockey. It's like, why, why? And it's like, well, other sports actually have it. Even in baseball, the umpires will comment on things post-game. Like, these are things that, you know, at least should be something available for accountability and at least for some questioning uh, by, by the media when you have games like this. But uh, it's not in the National Hockey League. They, they love to, to protect themselves, and that's what they're doing with this one. Let's continue on the phone board, 604-280-0650. Let's go to Surrey, where we have Raj on the line. Raj, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts here today? Hey guys, uh, that was some great Monday Night Football today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Especially yeah, 10-7 the, uh, defensive battle. Exactly, and especially the Kaprizov field goal there at the end. That was great. Yeah, but uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I kind of see the Canucks could go into a slide if they don't have a good game tomorrow. Hopefully, Demko shows up. They are playing the Avalanche, the Kraken, and the Boston Bruins next. So you know they could feasibly lose five in a row, but I think Demko put an end to that at some point um the only thing i wanted to say and i don't want to be mean but i feel like the smith has been swiss cheese for the last couple games i think with detroit he really had a bad third period today he had a horrible third period and i know we never gave him any help those five on threes were ridiculous but um if you put a touchdown uh worth the goals on the board i think the goalie should be able to get you a dub in that situation um, honestly, that's all I kind of got to say for today's game. Thanks, guys. Right, thanks for the phone call. Uh, as far as Casey the Smith goes, not his cleanest game. You know, we talked so much about coming into it. You know, five zero and one against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you know, you you let in eight goals. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I'm just trying to think here. Well, um, two of them are like you know complete like luck. One goes go off skate. Off, yeah, okay. So two go off skates. More. That's still six. Okay, more. but two go off skates. <laughs> one go off your of goes off your D man. Yeah. And then the rest are power play goals, are they not? Yeah. Well, power play goals, there is, yeah, there is some power play goals on it too. But I mean, and, and one, by the way, he's covered, like, he covered the puck. He yeah, did they his didn't job. Call it. No, I know. So another one is like, there's four goals that you can say, those four aren't really on Casey to Smith. We still give up four then. You give up eight goals. And I'm not no, saying he, he had a good, but I'm, what I'm saying is, I, hang on, I'm let's not go blaming him. Okay, let's but go through still, these goals. Eight goals. Okay, so there's the opening Erickson X1. Where it goes it's, off uh, the skate. Uh, yeah, that one goes off the skate. So, again, maybe he should have that one, okay? We're, we're going to be as liberal as possible on this one. Then it's a boldy breakaway. Yeah. Okay, so, like, he's in a tough environment on that one. Then we get the Zuccarello one where it goes off Ian Cole Yeah. at, at the end of the period. Then it's the five-on-three um, Erickson Eck goal. How much is that on the goalie? And I uh, just really quickly, I thought uh, Zuccarello and Hartman did a great job on that play, manipulating Lindholm because it was a quick little one-two and it forced Lindholm out of the passing lane yeah. to get it to Erickson Eck. And there's that, again, five on three. Then then it's the Kaprizov goal where he, he does the job. He freezes it. It's underneath him. Play continues. You expect him to go from his backside and figure out where the puck is, transition, and still find Kaprizov on the, on the other side when that puck is moving around. That, to me, is a big ask. Then there's the Erickson Eck goal, which is um, the power play one, 6-5. Okay, maybe you should have that one, but that's a power play goal. And then it goes off Rossi on his skate, which, by the way, we can touch on Quinn Hughes at some point today. I thought there was moments when he would love to have back. On this one in particular, Rossi seals him against the board and never really competes to get back into it. Mentioned the first goal that goes off the skate. Quinn Hughes behind the play on that one. 
so that one goes off Rossi's gate. There, I'm not looking at this and like, oh man, Casey dismissed a real problem. I, I think there's very explainable ways through all of this. Yeah, but I would say when you, when you give up, and you're right. I mean, you can take four or five of them off. Still, you give up eight goals. And any ask any goalie, they'll say it probably should have had one or two. Like if I give up eight. There's some bad luck into it, so I'm not blaming him for the loss. There's mm-hmm. a lot more going in, but not the cleanest game from Casey Smith. I think I think that's just fair a fair fair way of putting it. Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to Bella Bella, where Don is on the line. Our good friend Don. Don, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for calling in. Now, what are your thoughts this afternoon? Well, hey, I don't want to hammer home too much about uh, ref, but I'll start off a little bit. Uh, I think um, <clears throat> that wild player when Lindholm rubbed them out very gently along the boards, I think he was just as more surprised than you and I that, that, that Lindholm got a penalty for that. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And normally, um, normally refs don't like to put uh, a team down two men, but four times in this game was kind of ridiculous. Uh, but you know what? The Canucks are taking too many penalties of late. It's just not this game. And uh, it's time to get Baines in there. What do you think, guys? Thanks. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, we'll see if Baines gets in for the game tomorrow. Uh, maybe they want to have a bit more pace, some excitement maybe. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe PDG or somebody comes out. I thought Oman also struggled a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps one of those guys come out for a little bit of life for the team coming in uh, tomorrow uh, against the uh, the Colorado Avalanche. It, it's, it honestly, it's the worst arena to be in back-to-backs. High altitude. High, high, yeah. Oh, it's just brutal. But honestly, man, like I love this. Yeah. I love this. Challenges. Yeah. You know, be, we, yeah. we talk about this team this year and how they haven't had a lot of adversity. Here's adversity. Mm-hmm. How do you get through it? How do you handle it? Right today, you got a you know what sandwich. You swallow it. You move on to tomorrow. And yes, the odds are stacked against you. Yes, people look at it as a schedule loss, but it doesn't have to be. Have your best performance. Dig deep. Be gritty. Come up and sh- and, and play the best game you played all year. Play with, with your hair on fire. That's what I want to see from this team. And I- I've been waiting for some some rough moments, not because I've been rooting for it, but I think these are the moments where you do show as a team what you're capable of, what you can fight through, what you can handle. And, and maybe just maybe the Canucks are hitting that adversity now at this point in the season. And it's a massive challenge tomorrow. Like, I'm all for it. It's hard. Life is hard, man. Mm-hmm. Winning the National Hockey League is difficult. You, you want to be the top team? It's hard being a top team. you got to fight through adversity. you got to fight through things not going your way. And it didn't go the Canucks way today, so I want to see what they do tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche. Man, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. 650-650. Um, man. I don't even know where to begin on some of these uh, calls. C-Leg says, I suspect the officials are gambling on the game. The game has no integrity with these clowns. I'm not quite sure. They probably catch him for that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, they're getting Shane Pinto. I'm sure they can get the officials. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's a text I wanted to bring up, but I'll, I'll bring it up in a second. I'll try to find it. It's it's absolutely uh, mayhem on the text inbox as well. So many thoughts coming in, so we're doing our best to keep up with it. But uh, b- before we get to more of those, let's continue on the phone boards. Let's take one more phone call. Let's go to Delta, where we have Juggy on the line. Juggy, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts here this afternoon? Gentlemen, how's it going? Excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> wow, that was a game. I, I don't even think we needed coffee for that. Um <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of like you know at the end of the game, like it felt like a lot of us needed therapy after I heard that stat about uh, the Shorty was mentioning how, like you know, they haven't seen four or five on threes like this since that nine-one blowout against the Anaheim Ducks back in 2014, the Torts year. I mean, come on, man, that's uh, that's kind of 
ridiculous company uh, to be in. But, um, you know, when I when I kind of look at this game and, and kind of look past, you know, back at the past two games as well, one of your guys' thoughts on the PK, like, I mean, against Detroit, they were pretty good. And then Winnipeg, you know, obviously they gave up those two power play goals. But it seems like, you know, obviously since Joshua hasn't been there, it seems like there hasn't, it's it's been a little bit more passive where they've sort of kind of kept things to the outside, but it seems like they've, you know, um, you know, the teams have had more zone possession time. And obviously you don't want to put it on just one player being out of mm-hmm. the lineup. But um, the other point I just really want to quickly make was um, <clears throat> I know Irf and love the guy, uh, you know, he, he mentioned on Twitter, you know, obviously cup contending teams don't lose, um, you know, with, you know, being up five, two and, and giving up, you know, six or seven, the way that the Canucks did. But, you know, I, I, I for me, I say, I think I look at this, this Canucks team this year as, as a transition year, you know, I, you know, as, as, as much as they've, you know, been up, up in this position and sure they can go on a long run. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot that they've got to figure out. All right. Who's going to be a part of the supporting cast going forward? Um, you know, what, what can they get out of this group? Uh, going forward um, and who's going to be a part of that um, and and to me I, I feel like you know if they look at R.D. Baines tomorrow and at least you know get a good uh, you know look at a call-up that you know is obviously being a, an all-star this year uh, in the um, AHL um, just to see okay like is is this guy a part of the solution going forward you know what what do we see in this guy going forward um, you know and and I think it, it would be a good sort of thing and maybe he could help out a bit on the pk as well so yeah just wanted your guys' thoughts on that and hope you guys have a great rest of the day hey juggy thanks for the phone call man appreciate the thoughts uh what do you have on that bit uh you know, look if you're gonna make a lineup change um how many minutes are you gonna give darcy baines in, in a back-to-back in, in a tough spot in colorado i i again i worry about that um, Phil DiGiuseppe only played eight minutes today, not much on the PK either. But I, for, for what he said about thoughts on the PK, the Joshua absence suddenly feels like it's looming large right now because the last game they go um, 50% on the PK. And then today, again, there's context to it, but four power play goals for the Wild in six opportunities, a lot of five on threes. I think... I, I'd keep it as is, obviously, for right now, but certainly it feels like they're missing Dakota Joshua. And I, I think the Wild did a good job of quickly getting the puck into the slot. Like, even the mm-hmm. um, Hattrick, Erickson, Ek goal, I think that's 6-5. Um, there's so many goals. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Hattrick, Erickson, Ek goal. The dump-in goes all the way around to the top, I think, to Kaprizov. Yeah. And he sends it down to the wall, but it's Kaprizov, so Oman's going to flash out towards him and the pass goes to Zuccarello and it's zipped right in to Erickson Eck and he gets that shot off and then even later Rossi uh that's not on on power play but it's a quick play from behind the net that goes out wide uh to Lucini and he doesn't waste much time he sees Rossi go to the net and he doesn't wait on it just puts it into the area and good fortune obviously but we we mentioned the the first Erickson Eck goal of the third period as well it it, I I just thought they did a really good job of getting the puck immediately into the dangerous areas, not waiting for the perfect chance 
they they they, they just capitalized. Yeah, somebody also texted in and said, "Why traditional souk? Why was JT killing penalties again today? Why did Talkin not take a timeout? Prefer to watch the house burn, a la Vigneault in 2011." Uh, he says, "And I'm there with timeout, perhaps." But as far as why JT was killing penalties again today, so Lindholm went out for the five on three. Yeah. Pedersen was in the box when JT Miller took the delay a game mm-hmm. penalty, so that's why he was out on the ice. It's because of, you mentioned, no Dakota Joshua. Pedersen was on the ice. That's another center that comes off. I think one of the reasons why JT got that is because Bluger, Bluger took a lot a penalty. of centers took penalties yeah. today, and that's why JT got more Yeah, when you're going down 5-on-3, it's because when you're win- penalty killers, you're yes. when you're primary... Uh, penalty killers is also taking penalties. Yeah, so that's why JT was killing penalties, yeah. and I and I do think usually they'd have him kill fewer penalties than he has recently, but that's why he was out there. It's it is what it is with the way the game went. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. We are going to get the thoughts of the Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. That is coming up next as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by the Number Five Orange. So the game is over, but is your day really done? The Number Five is open, and more coming up next on the Home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now Matt Boldy turnover in the offensive end. He's going to work down, look for the wraparound, comes out to Kaprizov, and he scores! The Canucks are reeling in Minnesota. They've now built a three-goal lead in just under six minutes after coming into the period down two goals to Vancouver. And once again, it's that top line. Kirill Kaprizov gets his second goal of the game. And the puck goes straight back into the Vancouver Canucks zone after the Rossi goal. And just overwhelmed. Noah Juleson can't get the puck out. Alongside Quinn Hughes and right after that Matthew Boldy picking up where he's left off in the second period Just driving towards the net goes around the net goes a wraparound centers the pot for Kaprizov who slams it past Casey DeSmith Canucks lose 10-7 in Minnesota against the Wild. 17 goals 17 goals believe it or not unreal game uh, for all the wrong reasons, really, uh, Canucks loss here this afternoon, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number Five Orange on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nizar, and as always, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 65650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. We are about to get to the head coach. Rick Tockett it sat with Bick and a lot of people texting in and saying I want to see the head coach get a fine Tockett should call out the officials in the post game scrum and eat the fine yes some of the penalties against us were deserved but those four straight power play including the four five on threes is borderline ridiculous so how does the head coach feel about what happened and how the team unraveled in the third period and here he is post game meeting with the media in Minnesota well uh you gotta learn how to play under pressure you know uh we gave him four was it five four or five on threes Give him a, go- uh, a goal at the end of the first, and then we take a penalty after the second. Um, so these are lessons that we have to learn how to play under pressure. Stick penalties. Our five-on-play play was good. We had uh, a lot of a lot of chances. I thought we played five-on-five. Five. Obviously, the other parts of our game wasn't good. Did you talk to them specifically about discipline after the game? That and playing under pressure. And JT, you, men- you mentioned as well the five-on-five play. Was there anything else that you take away? He also talked about 
being excited to turn around and play again right away. Yeah, I mean, of course, we got 20-something games. You're, you're, every time you play this game, you want to be excited to play. You know, we'll, we'll be ready to play tomorrow and go from there. You mentioned the penalty is the second straight game. That penalty trouble was kind of there. Where's the level of concern? Or it's probably three games, four games. Yeah. Okay. It's getting, uh, it's actually stupid stick penalties. You know, you can't do it. And we got to learn. And when you play under pressure, you cannot do those things. Solace in the first 40 minutes of the game, though, and then kind of coming back toward the end. Well, I like, I mean, take away the five on four or whatever, five on threes, take away the stupid stick penalties. The, giving up the goal, the end of the first, the breakaway and stuff like that. The five-on-five five play was good. I mean, we had a lot of possession time. We had a lot of chances. What can you take from the way that you guys closed out the game and tried to battle back there? I mean, it's, it's good, but it's not good enough. Just the whole overall. I look at the whole overall game. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. Did not take any bait on the officials. Uh, said too many stick penalties, bemoaned the fact they took uh, too many penalties that put them down two men and as we were talking stupid in, stick penalties stupid stick penalty, and some of them were and we talked about this too that it really if they don't make that horse you know what Lindholm roughing call mm-hmm. you don't make that call as the game goes on you look at it and say well I mean one's a delay a game one's All a clear right, well, let's go through them let's go through them. go through the penalties yes so the Garland high stick I think he clipped Middleton yeah it's a high stick it's an obvious high stick yeah uh, so Juleson and Zuccarello take penalties on that face-off. They cancel each other yeah. out. Lindholm roughing. That's not a penalty. That's not. That's that's the real bad call. That's yeah. the worst call of the game. Zadorov holding. That one's late second period. A little weakish, but sure. Bluger high sticking. It's a high stick. Definitely a penalty. Pedersen on the hook. It takes away scoring chance. Yes. And Miller delay a game. Puck over the glass. Mm-hmm. So again, it's they took some bad penalties themselves. They yeah. did. And I, look, we were talking about officiating earlier. There's some obvious ones in there that the officials are going to call, okay? And some of them are automatic. Like the the Miller one automatic that has nothing to do with the officials. So I, I think when we get into this thing of, oh, we're and fans are texting in about the officiating. A lot of the calls were honest. But it's the Lindholm one that stands out as like, and it came right. We can af- see what you're doing. And it was right after the. It should have been an interference on Myers yeah. on Latier, uh, on Latieri and Ian Cole scores. Sh- they should have called that interference. The Canucks benefited from getting the one nothing lead. It just opens Pandora's box yeah. into everything else that's going to happen thereafter. But some of the five on threes were very earned. They were three of them were earned. Yeah, you know we can talk maybe to Zadorov one. So at least two. But this is why my issue with the officials was instead of. Just twisting yourself into a pretzel trying to make it up right away just officiate the game let the game come to you and at the end of the game they would they would have still given up two to three and then two the men advantages. thing of is the puck covered like, that's, that's the one to me that's that, the, that to me is the yeah. most egregious one yeah so i have some issues with it the coach however is not willing to uh lay blame on the officials and he's choosing to look at it as these guys have to do a lot better. It's what you have to control. I know it's frustrating. And honestly, I would have loved to hear him just go off because it's entertaining for us. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And I know fans would have felt like they, they had, they, they got some measure of revenge by the coach. Well, going hey, off. If, if the whole premise of not lighting him up on Saturday was we'll get the next one, the very next play you got. Yeah. Like you, you got the, the Myers one. I know yeah. we had the caller earlier say we disagreed. I, I like to me, that's a pick. It's a pick. No, it's, it's, it's a clear it's, interference. It's, it's blatant. Yeah. And so, like, you got that one, but it didn't serve you anything well, that, and, because immediately the rest were like, oh, this Lindholm one's a penalty. And if you look at it from a mindset standpoint, don't let don't allow 
thoughts to creep in that you're a victim sure. as a team. Yeah. You know, to have the victim mentality. Oh, it's all, always off officials against mm-hmm. us. Oh, we never get the breaks. Oh, what was us? You don't want to have that negative, weak mentality. So I think that's what – I bet you if you, you catch Talkit uh, in an earnest moment post-game off the record, I'm sure he'll have some choice words about it. But I don't think he he believes in the excuses for the group. Let's just handle it ourselves. You can disagree with that as a fan, but that's to me clearly what he's doing. Instead of placing the blame, he refuses to let his own guys off the hook. Well, yeah, didn't go your way? Guess what? You got to fight through it. And at the end of the day, in the postseason, there will be moments, Bick, where it seems like the world is is conspiring against you. (laughs) How are you going to handle it? And today, the Canucks didn't handle it well. Uh, The world is conspiring against me every day. That's... uh, well, you have reasons to say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep your thoughts no, let's coming. Let's not go down that path. <laughs> We're not doing a psychoanalysis uh, postgame. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650, 650. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Dan wouldn't have done this to us, as one, one text message says. So people even bring in Dan Kluche into this one. All right, uh, we'll get back to more of your text messages. Let's take another phone call or two here before we get to the top of the hour. Ian McIntyre will also join us coming up uh, for the final segment of the show here on Canuck Central. But let's go to Lions Bay, where our friend Jose is on the line. Jose, good good to hear from you again, buddy. What are your thoughts here this afternoon? Hey, Seth. Hey, Vic. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I you know, it's kind of funny, actually, because that's were up, I think, to zip, you know, things are going fine. And then all of a sudden, boom, I turn on my TV and grab some lunch. And, you know, like, I'm, they're in the, in the middle of six unanswered goals. Did it ruin your appetite? Suddenly, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I stopped eating my sandwich. I don't know what happened there, guys. But, okay, so, guys, I'm, a, I'm always a half-glass-full kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been long-suffering fans for the last number of years. It's been a Cinderella, amazing story up to this point. So, yeah, the Winnipeg game, which, by the way, I thought the Cubs played well last game. This game was disappointing. But you know what? This is kind of my attitude. Better to find out now what you have and what you need to fill or adjust before the trade deadline than basically just crashing and burning in the playoffs, right? So I, I have more faith in Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvin now than I ever have in the past. I'm hoping they're going to make some adjustments. Certainly Dakota Joshua away from the power, from the penalty kill, definitely hurled, hurt as well. I will tell you one thing too, guys. Casey DeSmith, like I was actually on Twitter, and uh, it was reported um, that you know in, in his first 10 starts, he went 6-2-2 two, and two with a 9.23 save percentage. Last five starts not including tonight. 1-1-3 um, one, one, and three with an 8.73 save percentage. And today, guys, I mean, you look at the numbers. I think his save percentage was like 680. Mm-hmm. This is concerning. Yeah, and, you know, when I look back to Spencer Martin, remember that first season he played when Bruce Boudreau was, was uh, coaching the Canucks in his first season? He looked great. Everyone thought, hey, this is awesome. We got ourselves a goalie here. But then he came down to earth, and Casey Smith has had an up-and-down career in Pittsburgh. He's had some great games, but he, there's a reason why he's not playing there right now. I'm wondering what Archer loves, even just coming up. I, I think he can get called up without, without being claimed on waivers. Do the Canucks want to maybe do a reset on Casey Smith, bring up um, Siloff, and then have, uh, I think it's Tocopilo, you know, get the majority of the starts in Abbotsford. Anyways, guys, um, good to hear your voices. Good to hear Big Dan um, doing play-by-play. Back to you. 
hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Jose in Lions Bay calling in. I think the biggest issue with bringing Silovs up right now is who you're demoting. Mm -hmm. And I guess if you're sending Baines down and you don't have an extra forward, you can find a way to do it. Um, that feels like a move you do when you're back home, though. Yeah, I think that's more of a over the nine game homestand. Mm -hmm. Maybe you see that. Maybe they bring or him even up. Thursday. Yes, Seattle's close by. And and I just don't think that's going to happen unless they're arresting Thatcher Demko because I do think the Smith's not going anywhere. He's going to be the backup in the postseason. They probably want to get him up to speed more than anything else. I, I wouldn't mind if, if there's a, a reward start for Seelovs at some point, and yeah. and Demko gets a true day off and something like that. We were talking yesterday on Connect Central about um or a couple of days ago on Connect Central about the the goalie plan, right? Demko on pace for fifty nine games, gotta get the number down to fifty five if you can, and trying to find the dismissed starts. Well here's one that they buy today, uh, obviously on a back to back. There's another one on a back to back uh coming up. But where are the next ones? Uh and do you throw Seelov's an extra start at some point, you know, once you confirm playoffs and you got a better idea of where your seating is and they should still finish first in the Pacific, obviously. Do you find Seelov's a spot? Uh, I, I'm not against it. I, I think that's a bit of an overstatement of Casey DeSmith's play right now. The the numbers are what they are. You know, he had a game where it was 778 save percentage. I get it. 857. Then today, uh, 680 uh, across the way. The the Minnesota goalies were save percentage was 70. percent So it's not as exactly it was a banner day for them uh, either. But I, I think today is just so bizarre. I don't look at this as it's a Casey DeSmith issue. Uh, he, he had a 930 just recently here, 900 uh, at the start of the season as well. So I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I do think goaltending in this market is often evaluated microscopically mm -hmm. and everything gets looked at. And listen, I don't think he had his best game. You know, we went through the goals. You're a bit, uh, you feel like you're letting him off the hook a bit more than I am, but mm -hmm. I still look at it and say, oh, maybe he could have had one or two, but you you give up 10 goals. It's not just on the netminder. There's a lot else going on here too for the Vancouver Canucks. And I'm just not sure they're at a point where they're looking at the third goalie in the organization. Let's take one more phone call. Let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks for calling in, buddy. What are your thoughts after the Canucks? 10 7 loss in minnesota well uh, first of all i'm not, i appreciate you taking my call i am i have nothing against the officials except uh some of the calls were pretty bad the problem i think with the vancouver canucks is the last uh um Pedersen can't check his grandmother in his own end but Kiev is not isn't any better um uh the, the the fellow that we got for uh, for uh, Nikita Zadorov is no longer with us because he couldn't check anybody either. I think the Vancouver Canucks are having trouble uh, with the with, with for checking, uh, especially that that line. And uh, uh, what I've been seeing, like I. I would like to see them do something with um, McKayev. And I said this last game, he isn't good enough. He isn't big enough. And uh, and I'm not talking about height. I'm talking about his weight, 180 at 6'3". And he looks like he uh, uh, a deer in the headlights. Uh, we got to do something because the uh, uh, what I, I saw during the uh, second or, or first period um um, in between periods, they showed uh, 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 Dakota uh, skating around. If right. he can handle a stick, why isn't he out there? 
say, uh, uh, and could you uh, could you answer that question for me? We will. Thanks and, for the phone uh, call. Yeah, thanks for the phone call. That's Gary Maple Ridge uh, calling in. I mean, you can handle the puck. It's more about how much velocity can you create with your shot, and are you at a point where you can't handle any contact? Sometimes you can hold on to a stick, but can you handle somebody hitting your hand, mm-hmm. fighting through checks and everything like that? So I, I agree. Sometimes you see a guy skating. One wrong knock, who knows what else is going to happen to it. I think it's encouraging, though, the mm-hmm. fact that he's out there skating and he's handling the puck, that he's closer to a return, I would say. But um, that's probably the reason why. And you know what? As much as he has the Canucks have lost two in a row here, it's frustrating and everything. You're not in a sp- spot so far this year where you feel like you have to, yeah. you know, rush a guy back and, and have him play through an injury. So on Mikheyev, to me, the big surprise out of all this tonight, Ilya Mikheyev winds up playing 15:37, which is not an un- irregular number of uh, shifts and a, a nice time for him. Zero minutes on the penalty kill for Ilya Mikheyev tonight. We're talking about Joshua goes out. Yeah. This is, like, this is the thing that Ely McCabe is best at. You have yeah. him for his defensive value. Zero minutes tonight. Uh, this text says, McKay up to the press box, uh, more direct play and toughness than others. Some grit up front. Are we at a stage now where it's justified to give him a... I mean, some are going to text in and say it would have been justified far before this for him to be healthy scratched. I, I, I mean, think the two games previous to tonight... I, last, I, I thought he was good. I thought he was good last game. Yeah. Um, we have seen pretty much... Every player outside of like Pedersen, Besser, mm-hmm. and JT Miller, forward wise, be healthy scratch. No Pew Suter hasn't either, but we've seen Garland have it. We've seen Dakota Joshua, of course. We've seen Niels Hoaglander get it. We saw Kuzmenko get it. And if he's not being used on the PK, does he get a set message sent here at some point? That, that, that to me is just bizarre that he didn't get any PK time tonight. Um, was he engaged enough? I, I don't know if I noticed him positively or negatively uh, this evening. Uh, I think he's one of the only guys who's not a dash or something tonight. Uh, but the, the the no PK usage is just stunning to me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll get to more of your text messages and more of your thoughts. And we're going to hear from Ian McIntyre, more players post game after a 10-7 loss for the Canucks in Minnesota against the Wild. It's Satin Vic on the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number five Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. We've got Eric Tanek in the bumper spot looking for a pass again. Zuccarello and Kaprizov behind the Canucks net. Going back and forth, making the D switch. Quick shot, big save by DeSmith. It's behind him. Nobody knows where it is. Where's the puck? It's somewhere in the crease. No whistle yet. DeSmith trying to smother it. Everybody's all over it. The Canucks are all over the ice. Somebody's trying to find the puck. Nobody knows where it is. Finally, it comes up top to the point. Big shot. Scores. Kirill Kaprizov takes the slap shot from the low circle on the left side. And we've got a tie game. And a rugby scrum in front of Casey DeSmith. Just a massive humanity littered in front of that goaltender. No whistle as Ian Cole sprawled out trying to save the puck. And first of all, it trickles past Casey DeSmith. And Cole dives in to make a save. And after that, the puck is loose. They're jamming away at it. And the Canucks look like they finally get it out of danger. But unfortunately, it goes to the... Right-hand side, Kirill Kaprizov all by himself. And he slams it past a sprawling Casey DeSmith. 
What a call. Dan Riccio and Randeep Janda, a uh, reach deep edition of the play-by-play crew here on Sportsman 650, calling the Canucks versus the Minnesota Wild. And you are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on Sportsnet 650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And Jeffro texted it and said, Reach and Randeep killed it. Yes, they did on the call. Uh, great stuff with uh, Brendan Batchelor. Who is the man, of course? Who is uh, day-to-day, I believe, and and, and there's rumors that he could uh, take the morning skate tomorrow. Oh, really? So he might be back with the play-by-play duties tomorrow? We'll we'll, we'll see how he feels after, you know, swelling goes down. Well, it's baby duties. So for those wondering, (laughs) uh, uh, Brandon Batchelor and his lovely wife have given birth to the beautiful Rory uh, over the weekend, and uh, they're celebrating his birth and and spending time together, of course, as they should. And that's why Riccio has filled in the last couple of days, admirably, we might add. See if so. Batch's uh, vocal cords are up for it. And uh, <laughs> if he's uh, off the LTIR, then uh, there's a chance uh, Batch is back at it tomorrow. No doubt. And Mike and Willoughby says, geez, Dan is good at that. Yeah, Dan's talented, man. Dan yeah. Riccio, the man's a very talented broadcaster. All right, fantastic stuff. There's a funny story, too, with Reach, because he, he got to do a TFC game once. Oh, yeah. And it was like the wildest this game TFC ever. game ever. He always gets the wild game, and doesn't he? And we were joking on this little run here. I was like, you're going to get another wild game. And even the Winnipeg game was, you know, it was, it was fiery. He had some moments. Never did anyone suspect 10-7 with all the five-on-threes, with the three hat-tricks in the game. And someone texted in, when was the last time we've seen three hat-tricks in a game? Uh, it was November 8th. 1992? 1992. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's LA been Kings, a minute. Like Luke Robitaille had a, had oh, a hat-trick had in that one. It was... uh, Sportsnet Stats tweeted this one out. Yeah. Uh, Robitaille, Yari Curry, and Mike Donnelly. Yeah, some pretty good players. 11-4. 11-4. And that was still less goals than this one here. 17. They didn't You're even right. have 15. <laughs> 11-4. My goodness. Uh, this text says, you guys keep going back to the one or two bad calls as part of the reason they lost. I'm saying that's not the story here. And I get it. There's more, and that's what the head coach said. But those are the plays to us. And I think when we went through the plays, we were talking about, okay, so, so what were the issues that people had with the officiating? Well, there are three bad calls in this game. One went in the Canucks' favor on the Myers goal, to be uh, the, uh, the Ian Cole one. And the two other ones, the phantom call on Lindholm, which... To be fair, mm-hmm. it didn't lead to anything. It was a five-on-three that Canucks ended up killing it, and the other one was didn't blow, did not blow the play down on the five-five goal. Those were to me the, that the to bad me is like, ones. That's the easiest one to get right. Yeah, to me those are the ones. But as we mentioned off the top, and you heard the coach talk about this, you have to help yourself, and the Canucks didn't help themselves enough here today, and that's ultimately why they lost ten-seven. Uh, before we get, get to some more of your texts, and we're going to play some audio here from JT Miller, and we're going to get to. Uh, Canucks, uh, we are going to get to Ian McIntyre as well. Let's take one more phone call. Let's go to Vancouver where we have Stephen on the line. Stephen, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts today after hey the 10-7 loss? Guys, thanks uh, for taking my call. I, uh, I, I was going to say exactly what you just said, that non-call, not blowing the play dead when the puck was covered. Um, I don't know how the ref saw, could still see the puck. He must have x-ray vision to be able to see that puck not be covered, and that Change the game, in my opinion. The Canucks get that call. The play is blown down. They win. They face off, clear the zone, and the game's not tied. They still have. They still have their legs. So that one, I think, took the wind right out of their sails, and they lost their focus after that. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair. Thanks for the phone call, Stephen in Vancouver. Yeah, there's that obviously the the stretch there of coming into the third period. Um, that 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 whole sequence. We, Erickson X scores, then Kaprizov scores, and then there's three more goals after that, and the wind's out of your sails. You do have to refocus. Now, we were just kind of talking in the break. They do wind up scoring two goals. Yeah. 
So, you know, 10-7 looks worse than it is because of the two empty netters, but they do end up scoring two goals to kind of get back in it and give yourselves a chance to tie it up. The the 10-7 the just makes it look so much worse because of the empty netters. But as far as getting your head back in, they lost their composure, no doubt, in that five, six-minute stretch. By the end of the period, did they get it back? I would say somewhat. They just don't get level. That's the problem. If, if at any point they get, you know, 8-8, eight, eight, and then you go on to lose, get a different story. But, you know, Zadorov scores, Miller sets that one up, Besser does a great job, and, and I, I thought Brock had a fantastic night in front of the net. Uh, didn't get a lot of points, obviously, but when, when you're setting screens, you're doing much for, for everyone else. Uh, he ends up getting a goal and assist, uh, and a seven-goal game for the Canucks. Uh, he, he deserved uh, that goal. Yeah, uh, I thought he did as well. Let's get one more text in. This one here says, Great show. I'm a regular listener. Canucks fans need to settle down. They're not handing out any awards for wins in the regular season. The Canucks will learn a lot from games like this and will apply it when it counts in the postseason. Well, technically, they do hand out awards for wins. It's the President's Trophy. If you have the most points, you do. But yes, yeah. I get it. It doesn't, it doesn't give you what you want, and that's a holy grail at the end of the road after the postseason. That is winning the Stanley cup okay uh we'll get we'll try to get some more of your text messages coming in fantastic stuff I, people fired up man on, on a monday afternoon holiday monday here in bc but let's hear from one of the canucks players jt miller he had a, had a hat trick today didn't wasn't enough canucks lose 10-7 and here he is post game meeting with the media listen this is one of those games where uh, i think we can actually like hang our hat on the way we played 5-1-5 i thought we uh, we outplayed them um it was a weird game uh, they clearly got a lot of momentum, and when you're on a power play that starts to feel it, you know, when they have some talented players. Unfortunately, they got a lot of a handful of looks, and, you know, I don't want to speak too much on the penalty kill. I really wasn't on it a whole lot, and our penalty kill's done an unbelievable job for us this year. So I, the good news is, is we get to play again tomorrow. How hard is it when there's all those penalties just to get into a rhythm even? Oh, 100%. You know, we, uh, you know I've been there before where you sit on the bench for long stretches and expected to go out and play at a hype. High, high, uh, high standard and a high pace when you get the call to go, and it's it's hard. So, like I said, I don't want to, I really don't want to dwell on this a whole lot. We're playing one of the best teams in the league tomorrow, it's a huge test for us. And honestly, I like the way we played five on five today. So we can at least look at the positives in a quick turnaround. You mentioned that five on five, but how about the way you guys stuck with it right to the end and, and tried to claw back into it? Well, that was the thing is on the bench, even when they went up seven five, eight five, is we still felt pretty comfortable. I mean, I, at least I, you know, our line. You know, I can speak on like we just we're in their zone every shift. I think we felt like we had one of those nights where we could tie it up eight to eight, and such a weird game. And games don't like that don't happen like this very often. So I don't want to look into it too much. But we'll, we'll learn from the, the bad. But honestly, I, think, I feel like we still did a lot of good things in five on five today. I mean, even just saying tied it up eight to eight, yeah. the goals were just coming kind of unreal, huh? It's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't happen very often. So I really, uh, I'm glad we play again tomorrow. I think it's going to be a good test for our group. In those first 40 minutes, you guys had a lot of domination. How well are you happy with how you guys played there? 100%. Like, uh, you know, other than a couple things here and there, I mean, we all played them. Uh, definitely a good first two road periods for us. I thought the power play was a little bit better today, and hopefully we can build off that going tomorrow. That is JT Miller, and uh, he is choosing to look at things positively, saying he liked how they played 5-on-5. Five five. And if you look at their 5-on-5 five five play... What's the last that song two... from Monty Python? Uh, Always look at the bright side. Oh, yeah, bright side, yeah. What is that? The... Always look... <laughs> I'm not going to Life of Brian or something? Yeah, Life of Brian, yeah. it is. Yes. There's JT. Life of JT. <laughs> Life of JT, just being positive. Have to look ahead to Colorado. Yeah. And... and... I mean, the five-on-five five play, and I actually thought against the Winnipeg Jets, they were really good five-on-five. Five. The worst five-on-five five moment in this game probably came um, from Hughes and Hironic defending. Well, Hughes and Noah Well, they Jolson. had a couple. Well, they had a couple. The one was the uh, yeah. 
the Boldy goal. Yeah. Uh, Hughes also got beat by Joel Eriksson-Eck on mm-hmm. the first goal. So I thought Hughes had a bit of a questionable game defensively. I thought he had some tough moments. And there was the play, which was a Kaprizov goal, uh, the first Kaprizov goal, I think it was, where he comes in as a trailer and scores off the rebound. Yeah. And that's a play where Juleson chases behind the net, Hughes is on the other side, and they just leave that uh, entire lane wide open. So outside of a couple of those plays, I did think they were pretty good five-on-five. Five. I mean, the game was decided on special teams here today. Yeah, so just to JT's point here, if we're just trying to bring up the stats from Natural Statric, uh, overall shot attempts, 52, sorry, 57-42 in favor of the Canucks. Shots on goal, 25-24. High dangers, 9-8 in favor for the Canucks. Expected goals in favor of the Canucks. That's all per uh, natural stat trick. So, yeah, there, there are elements that uh, was certainly uh, favor the Canucks. And if you translate that, you'll be competitive. It's uh, the penalty stuff and the, 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 power, the, the penalty kill. Uh, getting them in trouble. But the play you mentioned, the, the, the Kaprizov one, you know, Juleson makes that pass into Suter's skates, keeps it in the zone, and Boldy just does this wraparound. And, and Hughes, I imagine he's letting Juleson take Boldy around the net, but he doesn't get to the post to try to block off an attempt or even block off that pass. Joel Eriksson-Eck is driving to that post as well, looking for a near-side opportunity, and Hughes doesn't really engage with him. They kind of collide, but it's, it's not really an... A, a true attempt to try to take away a stick, take away a body, or go after the puck, and then it just squeaks through to the trailer all the way through to uh, Kaprizov. And I, I, there were moments where I thought, you know, Quinn Hughes, especially on the Rossi goal we touched earlier, I, I thought he had some really questionable moments. Yeah, some tough moments. But uh, to, to JT Miller's point, five on five, the Canucks outchance, yep. you mentioned outshot, and they also outscored them 5 4. Five on five. Yeah. So uh, there's a big one too. But. Final score, 10-7 in favor of the Minnesota Wild. And to make sense of it all, we bring in the man we call the triple threat. He's at home today, but you watch him on TV, you read him on digital, you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. I don't know that I can make sense of that for you. (laughs) Give me too much credit as usual. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody can make sense of what we truly saw here today. Cause the it, sage it was, wisdom of Ian McIntyre, Will. Yeah. I mean, it's well, about as wild as it gets, isn't it? 10-7? Yeah. I, I actually, you know, when we talk about making sense of it, it, it's 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 hard to understand how the Canucks uh, got to a 10-7 score, final score, you know, when they led 5-2. But it's really not, there isn't really much mystery to how they self-destructed. They they just utterly lacked the composure that Rick Tockett had called for after the last game against Winnipeg. Do you remember what Tockett said Saturday night? Mm-hmm. What what was his takeaway? Don't get frustrated. Because when, when you get frustrated... You do things that are uncharacteristic. And he said they had to be able to play under pressure. And he repeated that today. Now, Saturday, the frustration was all about the officiating. But this this game, I hope people aren't thinking this game is because of officiating, that they lost 10-7 because of officiating. They, they took some terrible penalties when they were already shorthanded and kept inviting the wild to go on five on three power plays. And they had the first one in the first period, which was a terrible call. Uh, the, the penalty on Lindholm, that was a joke, but 
but the Canucks killed that penalty. But at least it gave the Wild some five-on-three practice. So when they got three more opportunities at five-on-three against the Canucks, all on legit penalties. You know, Bluger put his stick in Boldy's face. JT Miller flipped a puck over the glass. Uh, Ilias Pedersen, after the entire team was strangely flat-footed on a, on a last dash rush by Brock Faber, Ilias Pedersen reached out and took, a, took an obvious hooking penalty. Probably saved a goal then. But you know, these are penalties. This isn't the way to defend a lead. And, you know, Talkett mentioned the stupid stick penalties. Uh, I think he probably would have liked to have said a lot more. It's probably good he wasn't at home with a lot of people asking him questions. But this was, this was all on the Canucks. Like, this isn't how a team aspiring to win a championship needs to play. So on Saturday, there was a certain element of, like, over-aggressiveness, right? Where Juleson steps out and, you know, you're, you're not being composed in that element. This was almost, you know, reckless to a certain degree. Where the, the Bluger one is the one that stands out. Like, there was no reason to put your stick in that spot. And there you are, like, knowing you're on the PK, a minute to go in the period. That's the one that, that I look at and says it's, it's the most reckless. Whereas Miller, like, the, the puck is going to go over the glass sometimes. That just That's so random. Pedersen, as you mentioned, probably saves a goal than anything. That's a penalty worth taking. It's the Bluger one that just feels it was, it was nonsensical. The Lindholm one. No, the, no, the Bluger one. Oh, yeah, where, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if there's a thing right. that you could have saved yourself, right, yeah. it's, it's the Bluger one. Yeah, but I would say, Bick, I mean, I mean, the Pedersen penalty is taken because the team was asleep sure. at their blue line yeah. with whatever it was, nine seconds left or 12, whatever it was. Yeah, he, he, he took the penalty with the nine period. seconds left. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, a defenseman rushing the puck. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a break in play. It was one guy rushing the puck. I know Roenick was was among the players rooted. I saw him on the replay. Sometimes it's hard to tell on TV unless unless you go back and watch every goal. I can't watch 17 goals and still file on <laughs> deadline. So but and then I would argue with with Miller, yes, there's a randomness, there's there's a lot of bad luck to puck over the glass if if the puck suddenly goes on end and things. But when you're already down a man, are aren't you try shouldn't you be more careful about it? Like uh, I think you're, uh, I think you're right about the Bluger one, but I think you're letting them off the hook on these other penalties too. This, uh, this, it was, you can't play that way. And uh, I don't think Meyer saying what he did after the last game, I don't think that helped. I don't think it helped on a on a couple of reasons. I I don't think it helps you get more calls in your favor, and I don't think it helps set the mindset of what a championship team should have. Yeah, and I'm kind of so I I don't like how the game was officiated in general, but you're right. I mean, the Canucks didn't help themselves out either. And I and I do think as much as we can sit here and talk about well, maybe this call should have gone this way, that call should have gone that the other way. The reality is you are going to face adversity. And in the postseason, there's going to be moments where it's going to seem like the world is conspiring against you. Are you going to melt down or are you going to be able to fight through it? And I think that's the type of growing experience you hope to have after a game like this. Yeah, well, that's that's why, again, the coach is talking after the game about playing under pressure, because you're right, Sad. I mean, this is this is nothing. That was that was a moment. Right. That was this this bizarre window that maybe they've never been through before. I've never I don't think I've ever witnessed six goals in six minutes, four of them 
on the power play, three of those at five on three, and the four power play goals all in like two minutes. I think it was two minutes and 18 seconds if you go back to the one in, at the end of the second mm-hmm. period. So that that's just like a window and experience that they've probably never had. But as far as the actual pressure and momentum, and as you say, Sat, that feeling that everyone's conspiring against you, it's nothing compared to what it's going to be in the playoffs and what they're going to have to face and what they're going to have to power through and cope with. And Minnesota wasn't very good. Uh, they weren't at five on three. Yeah. What was Minnesota doing at, or sorry, at five on five, what was Minnesota doing at five on five when the game was five, two, that were, was troubling the Canucks, nothing, nothing. And then the Canucks started taking these penalties. It, it's, to me, it's about, it's more about the mindset. And, and we talk a lot about culture and the Canucks have talked a lot about culture and, and, you know, I know that JT Miller said numerous times this year, the team's very honest in its assessment about how it played. So if you're being honest, this isn't how you play. If you want to be a, a successful team, you can't, I mean, special teams are part of it. Bad calls are part of it. You know, the worst call was the one in the first period on Lindholm. And the team escaped that, right? They killed that penalty. The mo- uh, to me, the, the strangest call or non-call was how they didn't get a whistle in that scramble mm-hmm. before the Kaprizov goal. I mean, on the overhead view, it looked like DeSmith clearly had the puck covered with his pads at one point. Mm-hmm. But we're not on the ice. You know, we're not, uh, we don't have the view that the referee has. Maybe there was daylight. Maybe he wasn't flat on the puck and it was just sitting under him, but still free. Who knows? But you, you have to find ways to deal with pressure and adversity a lot better than what the Canucks have shown in these two games. And luckily, they still have a third of the season to go. Uh, and they still got lots of times to refine what it is they're 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 trying to be and, and what their mindset needs to be. They're also in the great position. They can have a slump, and and it's not it's not going to be a crisis where they're falling out of playoff position. They've they've done so well to this point. They have some cushion there, but to me, the most important thing about this game is is to that they come away with the right mindset that they come away understanding that you can't play this way if if you want to have success you can't be you can't be this discomposed and and you know handle as talk it said handle the pressure like this because the pressure is going to get a lot bigger later on it uh, winds up being eight goals against, uh, but what do you take away if you're Casey DeSmith in a game like this? Yeah, he needed to be better, but you know it's not. This game isn't. This game isn't on Casey DeSmith. It, it's. Uh, I think we would have seen a goaltending change, except they've got a back to back, and mm-hmm. it, you can't you can't do that to Demko when you're finally giving him a game off and yes, it's still a game. He's still dressed and he still has to have the mindset that he could go in there. But when he's playing tomorrow and playing as much as he has, 
you pretty well just have to to let the Smith sink or swim. And, you know, I don't know, you know, how many of the goals, uh, none of them were terrible. None of them. It's just, you know, with, with that ratio of shots, you want him to come up with more saves than, than what it came up, came up with. But to me, if you're looking at concerns, mistakes in this game that led to the 10, seven, the Smith is so far down the list. It's hardly worth mentioning. As far as what we should expect tomorrow, now it's a big matchup against the Colorado Avalanche. The Canucks have not lost three games in a row yet so far this season. If they do lose, it's for the first time they've lost three and all three in regulation. It's the type of game you're hoping to get, they respond to. It's not easy with the uh, elevation as being a back-to-back against one of the best teams in the league. So what are we expecting to see from the Canucks tomorrow in Colorado? Well, I think you'll see what we've seen for most of their games. We're going to see you know, a lot of intensity and, and effort, and hopefully there'll be some, some execution and, and composure along with it. I, I was saying, you know, before the Saturday game, it's been a long time since the Canucks played well and lost, right? If, if you look at, look at, and there haven't been that many losses, but you look at them and the games against, you know, Philadelphia and, and St. Louis and I'm trying to think on the, on the last road trip uh, that I was on the game in Detroit that, that they blew in the third period. There's, they knew that they had a lot of room still to be better today. They were actually quite good at five on five. As I said, Minnesota had nothing going. So they're probably do more games where they actually play well and lose. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen tomorrow, but this is why you, you can't afford to be frivolous like they were today. Cause it's, it's not every game that you're going to outplay the opposition at five on five and deserve to win, which the Canucks did yet. They still threw it away with the penalties and, and the power play goals for, for Minnesota. So that's costly. They're going to have a better, they're, they're going to be better tomorrow. I would say that they're going to be better tomorrow than they were today, but we know the opponents a lot better as well. And listen, Minnesota has been on a good run, one loss in 10 games uh, before, before today, but Minnesota is not the team that Colorado is. And, and Colorado had, has had its scuffles this year as well. But that's, that's a Stanley Cup caliber team. Mm-hmm. So the Canucks are going to have their hands full. Uh, I, I would say the, the result, although we all love at the end of the day, like if this game had finished 10-7 for Vancouver, even with what had transpired to go from 5-2 up to, well, I guess if it was 10-7, they couldn't be 8-5 behind like they were. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think it's it's more about what their reaction is to how they lost this game and how they play tomorrow. I don't think it's so much about do they come out with two points or one point or zero. I think it's do they give themselves the best chance to win? Do they do they play well with intensity and focus and give themselves the best chance to win? Because if they do that and they still lose, you move on. You can live with it. It's when you undermine yourselves like they did today. I think that's that's the bigger problem than just not taking the two points. It's yeah. that they 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 
self-destructed, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing how they react tomorrow against the Avalanche in Colorado. And and we got to get out because we have Vancouver Giants hockey coming up next. But Ian, great stuff as always on the post-game show. I look forward to reading your latest. And you have some time to, to get that done and sent in. I know you won't spend all night doing it, but you have a bit more time here. I do. I do. It's a little, uh, little easier uh, on deadline with these <laughs> afternoon games. Seems to be a challenge sometimes for the hockey team so yeah no kidding but uh we'll see how they do tomorrow against the avalanche and we'll chat with you post game as usual as well so thanks so much for your time ian i'll look forward to that have a good evening guys you got it uh, that's ian mcintyre and he came in on the dispatch plumbing heating and air conditioning hotline the first call the only call and anytime you hear ian mcintyre this insider is brought to you by avenue machinery and douglas lake equipment be a champion on the work site find them together online at d-l-e-a-m-c Dot com. Coming up next is Vancouver Giants Hockey. And a bit later after that, it's the People Show with Josh Elliott Wolf. He's going to be on as soon as the Giants game is over, 5-7. to seven. So more Canucks and, and Sports Talk coming up. And he'll be produced, and the producer is going to be Victor. So a lot more hockey talk coming up the rest yeah. of the afternoon and the evening. Back at it tomorrow. Yeah, back at it tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Vic, great stuff today. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice debut on TV as well. Oh, my goodness. That was today. That was today, believe it or not. Oh, my goodness. That was only 17 goals ago. (laughs) That's all it was. That was four games (laughs) worth of goals ago. Uh, A special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show, doing a great job as always. And thank you all for listening, participating on the text inbox, calling in, or just being a listener. We appreciate every single one of you. Can't wait to be back at it again tomorrow. Pre-game gets going tomorrow at 5. Canuck Central begins at 4. Bix on air at 3 o'clock. And Vancouver Giants hockey is coming up next. And this has been the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. And more is coming up next on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.